0: July of this year marks the 45th anniversary of the premiere of a groundbreaking and bank-breaking advertisement for Coca-Cola. It introduced the famous jingle, Buy the World a Coke. Uh, And and saying that this is 45 years ago makes me start to feel kind of old because I remember this, uh, not when it came out, but I remember the commercial. And the jingle was so catchy Uh, that it was worked into a top ten hit song by the New Seekers, Uh, I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing in Perfect Harmony. The production of the television commercial cost $250,000 in 1971. That's a lot of money. It featured a huge multicultural cast, and these uh, multicultural persons were throwing off ethnic and national divisions, united by their love for the real thing, Coca-Cola. There's a certain irony to this message of global unity uh, centered on Coke beverages. Uh, This inspired ad campaign was probably unconsciously the mirror image of a project of Pepsi-Cola, Coke's rival for world domination of the soft drink market. Pepsi was the corporation, largely responsible for funding Walt Disney's It's a Small World theme park ride, named after a song composed in 1962, shortly after and inspired, inversely as it were, by the Cuban Missile Crisis. That this song made it uh, into the Disney empire was not a mistake, Uh, the songwriters actually pitched it to Disney. Now, I could probably think of many parallels to these two songs and their aspirations for global unity uh, based in soft drink buying preferences. But I find it particularly ironic uh, that the theme of multiculturalism comes out in this context because instead of celebrating, say, different beverages or food from different cultures, uh, we are made to believe that all cultures are more or less the same, at least in potential, and all we need to unite us in global harmony, what will prevent the next Cuban Missile Crisis or Kent State will be having everyone buy exactly the same thing. In other words, to flatten out the differences between people. Now, I thought of this uh, in preparing this homily on unity, the unity that we pray for in this hiatus between the ascension of our Lord and Pentecost, because I grew up in this vague uh, corporatist melting uh, melting pot ideology. And as I got older, uh, got into high school and college, it came as something of a surprise to me when I began to travel a bit uh, that people could actually be surprisingly different from me. Uh, And for this difference not to be something that is frightening, uh, I might have to broaden my own perspective, my own thinking. Unity seemed very easy and natural when I assumed that every reasonable person thought more or less like we all did in Green Bay. Uh, It takes some courage to admit to being a sheltered provincial and that all of us are insulated provincials from someone's point of view. It turns out to be actually a very big world, and not everyone's concept of perfect harmony is singable for everyone else. The biblical myth of the drive for man-made unity is the Tower of Babel. In seeking to make a name for themselves, one name, one tribe, the builders of the tower felt it was important to try to get the top of this tower into the heavens, to ascend, as it were, into heaven. And the result of this attempt of human nature to climb the heavens was, paradoxically, the scattering of the peoples, and the confusion of languages. At first blush, if you read this story, uh, it's tempting to be critical of God's response to this effort. Um, We normally speak of the confusion of languages as a deficit. To say confusion, obviously, is usually not a good thing, Um, but if you're someone who speaks more than one language, you might have a slightly different opinion of this question because it's obvious to a bilingual person that there are certain things, for example, that you can say in Polish that you can't say in English. And there are ideas that you can express in Mandarin that simply cannot be expressed in Spanish. And I wonder, is this really a bad thing? Or is this simply a reflection of the richness of life being something grander than any individual of us can possess? Another telling experiment of the 20th century was, uh, that actually began in the 19th, It's the creation of a universal language, Esperanto. And again, I would ask, would a man-made universal language be actually desirable? I guess there are something like 2,000 native Esperanto speakers in the world today uh, who grew up speaking this in their homes. So it's it's still around. Um, But is this something that would actually enrich the human experience to speak all one language. Charlie Chaplin slyly lampooned the darker side of this movement in his film The Great Dictator. Uh, One scene in this film depicts signs in the Jewish ghetto written not in Yiddish or Hebrew but in Esperanto. The difficulty in all of these schemes is that man-made unity will always be colored in this world, by more or less hidden schemes of domination and control, Uh, whether it's controlling the economic flow of goods or by suppressing native ideas that depend on local languages. When our Lord in the gospel today prays to the Father that we all may be one as they are one, we can note a few things about this. First of all, This unity that Christ is praying for is a gift. It is something that we pray to receive. It is not something that we manufacture out of our own resources. This is symbolized, by the way, by the fact that our Paschal candle is not lit today. Uh, This reminds us that Christ has removed himself from the view of our physical eyesight and reminds us then in this period to ask ask God for the gift of the Holy Spirit who will enlighten us, but also unite us. And this unity promised by the Holy Spirit is not based in the squashing of individual gifts, of individual insights and color. It is based rather on the love of the Father and the Son, the love that created each of us individually and gave us our uniqueness in the first place. And so this love, it must be emphasized, is a gift, a divine gift, that transcends our human nature while fulfilling it completely. In contemplating the unlit Paschal candle today, let us fervently ask the Father for this great gift of the Holy Spirit, that by our perfection in love, we may be a fitting gift for his Son, Jesus Christ.